on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Another week in the sport of boxeo, and we've got you covered. Looking back, looking forward, debating all things in between. Fresh off, of course, of Gary Russell Jr.'s featherweight title defense on Showtime and a call-out to those multiple weight classes above. We'll get into all that, including the returns of Rigo and Kelbrook. We will look forward at a very light Boxeo weekend. Find out if Rafe Bugs cares about all things Caleb Plant. And in between, just one week out from the big Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, must-see heavyweight title rematch, we want to talk about what role Ije, Anthony Joshua, the unified champ, plays in this conversation. And maybe, just maybe, facing the potential winner this calendar year. Who knows? Lots more on that to come. Fun and games in between, but no wasting time. Let's get right into it. My co-host, of course, is the features writer on TheAthletic.com, the best box writer in the game today. He is a New York Times high-selling author. He lives in Detroit. His name is Rafe Boogs. Let me lick you up. Let me fix your fight. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Rafe Bartholomew. How is it, Broham? Oh, you know, just just walking these dogs, as they say, Brian. I'm out here. I, I literally just walked a dog. So I didn't I don't just mean that in the way that I'm taking care of myself and my family, the people close to me, but I'm also literally walking dogs. What's up? Oh, wow. Wow. That would at least answer the question of who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Is that the low moment in our show's history? You did that That as well as Mitt Romney did back in the day. I think you should run for president. Are you Mormon? I could could be mayor. Um, That was probably the lowest moment in this show's history. No banter. Boxing. Rafe, the people I've spoken, they don't want to hear about my washed basketball career. You banter with that story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anymore. They want us to get in. To the box, they want us to talk ethics if we can make it work. Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. This is fair point, Eddie. Fair point indeed. But we got a loaded show for the people. Just saying, anyway, Rafe. Um, the only thing I'll, the only exit, the only detour I'll take is uh, you're a Detroit guy now. You've changed, okay? People from Manhattan talking about how you've changed. Am uh, I getting fat? The Academy is it that Awards happened layer coming up on me over the weekend, and your your eight mile neighbor Eminem made a little bit of a uh, headlining comeback, singing an old song, 
and uh, some people thought he was washed. I just wanted to get your take from a Detroit perspective on what we saw Sunday night, Rafe. Okay, lose yourself if you can, all right? Uh, I mean, I didn't watch the Oscars. I don't care. I do care about Eminem, but I don't care about the Oscars. I don't care about cinephiles. I like movies. I like Steven Seagal. I like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I like Jeff Speakman, the perfect weapon. I like Gary. Is it Gary Daniels, that that karate guy? Uh, Who? Anyway, he had long blonde hair. He's like a poor man's knockoff Van Damme. I didn't watch it, but I like Eminem. He has a studio near my near where I currently abide. Um, and do I like Eminem's music that he makes now? I don't even bother listening to it. I don't listen to any new music. I'm an actual old man, Brian, and I have nothing against that. I like what I like. I like what I grew up with. Del the funky homo sapiens. Great one-hit wonder, him and MC Brains. They should collaborate now. Alright, alright. Hey, we're gonna get into the box right after we take a quick pause and a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, alright. Dig it. And we're back. Back with the box. It's Rafe Bugs and your boy BC. Looking back at the weekend that was very briefly here, Rafe, and it was headlined, of course, by Showtime's return in Allentown, PA, of all stops, as Gary Russell Jr. defends his WBC featherweight title in a somewhat how we thought and predicted yet kind of close and dangerous unanimous decision by the end of it against one King Tug, Tug Show Niambiar. Rafe, I liked a lot about what Gary Russell did. I like even more about what he's talking about afterwards. We'll get to that in a second. But within the grounds of those 12 rounds, when he did tire just a bit in those championship rounds, King Tug dragged him into the kitchen. It got a little bit hot. Your thoughts on his maybe wider than expected decision? Well, I thought he won, so I didn't find it to be too wide on the cards. What, what were the cards again? I, it seemed like an 8-4-ish kind of fight. I think there was one 10-2 that was ridiculous. and then a Okay, couple, that's a little bit. A couple 8-4, that, that, yeah. 9-3 types when I think you could have objectively said 7-5, but that would yeah. – I don't know. I don't know. You could get there. I wouldn't go crazy if you got there. In any case, my, look, I like – I love I, – I, I don't care anymore. I'm going to say it, Brian. I love me. Some Gary yes. Russell Jr. Yes. I understand the uh, annoyance and frustration on behalf of the boxing hardcore, the not normal fans not out regular there. regular fans, no, no. He doesn't fight enough, and he before King Tug, he fought the the husks of Kiko Martinez and Oscar <laughs> Escandon. That's rough. That is that is not good. That is that's no bueno. But. When Gary Russell is in a good fight, he shows his class, and he comes to fight. I really lo- love his style. I mean, you saw it in this, and you saw it in the Jojo Diaz fight a few years ago or two years ago. He, Gary Russell, has he he's not like a you know, he stands his ground. He wants he's he only backs up enough to reset so he can counter you effectively. He is a really aggressive guy and I really like that because I think there look people stereotype people like oh well he's fast and he's black and he's athletic he must be slick he must be and yeah he's a responsible defender but it's not that he's um he's he's deflecting a lot of shots with his with his arms with his gloves with his hands I I just love the way he stands in there and rumbles and that and flashes that hand speed and lands 
great clean punches. He's fun to watch. And and Tug pushed him. You're right. It got interesting towards the end. I give Gary Russell credit for not folding under that pressure, for coming back, having a good 11th round, and kind of re restoring that distance on the cards, at least in his head, that allowed him to kind of give away the 12th. Yes, everything you said right there. And I, so Gary has, first of all, he's a great interview, a very underrated interview, because he's obscenely confident. I mean, he's... I mean, the guy, he looks at himself and says, I have balls. I want to fight like a tough, tough gang member. And I think there's a lot of potential for that to ultimately get him in trouble. Not just in this fight against King Tug when I think it was a mixture of fatigue down the stretch because he fought a much more Gary Russell type fight the first seven or eight rounds. A lot of movement, speed, just dynamic stuff. But I also thought some of it was like, look, I can stop this dude late. I have no problem standing in that pocket and taking and giving and slipping and doing it. Maybe that's not something that can curse him at 26. And I thought even against Jojo Diaz, we've talked about this before, way too willing to get into a brawl to try Mm -hmm. to get a knockout when he could have just straight out classed him. And by the way, Jojo's a very good fighter as we're seeing him now a title holder at 130. Um, This ties into, though, with the the post-fight conversation which is Russell finally wanting to cash in and see how great he can be. And by the way, you got to love that. Now, I'm not sure I believe his altering of the narrative, Rafe, to say, I've been wanting to fight people for years. Nobody wants to fight me, so I've had to just stay busy with these mandatories. I mean, I don't know the true insides of what happens when he calls Al and wants a fight and they call. I mean, so I don't want to speak out of school. But look, dude, it didn't seem like he was all that motivated. If you go back and listen to those interviews in between all those Escondone type fights, that's fine, though. I'll accept it for what he is now. A ballsy dude who wants to fight everyone who basically says, I want Leo next. If I can't get him, I'm dropping that WBC title and I'm going two divisions north to lightweight because I feel like that's the only way I'm going to get big names because they're going to think I'm vulnerable moving up. And then he went on an assault during the media scrum afterwards of one Gervonta Davis, Rafe, basically calling him a, a wankster, basically calling him a sucker, saying, saying, you know, y- you think I can't sell? You people are afraid. Grow some balls. Um, I need, yes, yes, I need this, Rafe. The idea of him fighting Gervonta at lightweight, are you kidding me? That's a better fight than Leo. Him fighting Leo, I think, is a better fight than Gervonta fighting Leo. The common thread in there is that we've always wanted Gary Russell to be Mr. Gary Russell. Now he wants to do it. And when you mix his potential pound-for-pound talent with these giant cojones that he's flashing around, Rafe, it's going to be fun finding out whether he's the real or not because this guy is willing to go for it to find out. We saw that in the Lomachenko fight. He says, I am 100% rematching Loma, not for the belts, for me as a man. Rafe, how could you not love every word coming out of his mouth, even if you have fears that in the deep end at 135, he could get himself in trouble? Yeah, I exactly. I And I've always really, really liked and respected that almost every time since he, I've heard him interviewed since losing to Lomachenko in 2014, he has said, I, I lost that fight. But I think, you know, I, I, I want him back and I'm going to beat him. And look, I don't necessarily believe that at this point in time, but I don't care. He's he, the way he I, I believe that he wants it and that 
you know, he's just got that competitive thing in him that that says, F it, I'm going to figure out a way to beat this guy the next time. I know deep down I am better. And even if that's is not always objectively true, I, it's an enormously valuable thing for an athlete to have, uh, especially a fighter. Um, the idea of Gary Russell moving up to 135, I... Look, that that sounds so crazy. That sounds it sounds too far to me. It sounds like Mikey Garcia at Walterweight 147 where his size could become a true disadvantage that he can't overcome and you don't get to see good good versions of him a la Spence Garcia last year. Uh and you got to give Errol Spence credit for fighting so well that night, but also Mikey just didn't have it. I guess we will see uh, later this month, if that is a trend at welterweight or if uh, he can grow into the division or what. In any case, I would have similar fears for Gary Russell, who is only five foot four and a half and makes 126 pounds comfortably going all the way up to 135. I It would be nice if I guess they could try to do, you know, uh, Gervonta Davis didn't even make lightweight last time on his first try. So it's kind of crazy to imagine him going back down to 130 to fight Gary Russell. That is the one fight, even if it if Russell is taking on too much of a disadvantage going all the way up to lightweight in, it may be worth it for the spectacle, for the event, because Baltimore versus D.C., they put that in, you know, wherever, whatever the best boxing arena in Baltimore is or at the... I, it used to be the MCI Center. I don't know what they call it in D.C. anymore, where the Wizards play. I mean, you could sell out a huge, big-time arena in those cities between those two guys. Those guys are have been well-known in the, the DMV and the Baltimore area since forever. They, like, they are – they you know, they were they were bright, shining amateurs. They have, they have this local lore and local following around them that I think would make an incredible electric atmosphere, I think – as a as a bigger as someone who enjoys Gary Russell as a fighter and um uh, a person to root for at this point more than Gervonta Davis I I wish Gary Russell weren't the one sacrificing going up uh two weight classes to make that happen but I still would love to see the event how that fight plays out and everything from there Yeah man what do you think actually happens when Gary Russell goes to lightweight because I think there's some certain comparisons historically to where jumping up two weight classes, like, I mean, okay, it didn't work for Mikey Garcia against Spence, maybe a different story, different talent, but, like, Shane Mosley was one of the greatest and most devastating lightweights in that short window of eight fights we'd ever seen, and then he moves up two weight classes and faces Oscar and beats him in this great modern classic. So it's not as if Gary Russell doesn't have some of that same foundation of just transcendent talent, where maybe if he does go up, I don't expect him to have giant pop, but I expect him to maybe have, well, certainly have a, his speed will be magnified at a higher weight class. And I think he's got the toughness to compete. I just worry that he would want to prove something against a, a plus next level puncher like Gervonta. I mean, that. And he, that's how Gary Russell fights. He does, he, he, we haven't seen him go into extra cautious mode yet. And I don't know if he's built that way. I get the sense just the watching him, observing him in the ring. He looks like the kind of guy who, one, you know, he he is right mo almost all the time in this. He expects himself to get the better of exchanges because of his his hand speed and his 
his ability to, you know, to, to roll punches a little bit, to, to, to deflect and everything. And get once he gets the other guy's hands moving, he, can, he knows he can land his punches in, in between uh, more effectively. The problem is, he all, inevitably, when you exchange that much and you put yourself, you fight such a um, confident style, you're going to get hit a little bit against good professional boxers. And and that's happened with Jojo Diaz. That happened a bit with, with uh, Nayambiar over the weekend. And I think it would happen with Javante Davis, who isn't isn't necessarily active through, um, you know, every, all 12 rounds or however many rounds when we see him fighting. But he can he can land really creative, flashy and fast shots, single shots that can get a guy in trouble with just one touch. And I do think he would land those punches on Gary Russell. It would be I don't I don't know that he would be uh, dominating the action when he lands them. But when he does, what happens is that is does that basically meet, put the fight uh, on the road to the end right there? It's that is such an interesting title match or, or, or sorry style matchup because. We can see some of those potential vulnerabilities in Gervonta. We know he has great potential to be a great boxer, but he really hasn't had to use it. And man, I want to see that. But what do you think about Oscar jumping in with this whole Ryan Garcia thing, trying to steal Gervonta away from everybody else and dangle Ryan Garcia this early out to Gervonta? Uh, the, the chances of it happening are very slim given the 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 business and network structure, but uh, what do you think is Oscar's play here? Does he legitimately believe Ryan Garcia's hand speed is going to be enough against Gervonta? Maybe. I, look, uh, I don't know what he – who knows what uh, – you know, I'm going to quote Canelo and what he told um, my colleague Mike Coppinger at The Athletic. Oscar says all kinds of things. All kinds <laughs> of things come out of Oscar's mouth. I, I don't know what he's talking about. Um no, he's pro- he's just he's just getting some headlines. He's just throwing. He knows Ryan Garcia is fighting on Friday, a week less than a week after True. Gary Russell fought, and there's all this talk about Javante Davis. Why not get? And, and Ryan Garcia is a star, and he's trying to build him, and he's trying to and he's also trying to signal to Canelo to get back on Canelo's good side. That hey, look, I'm I'm promoting your boy. I'm I'm out here, and and the guy that your trainer now trains too. This is we're we're all, it's all love, baby. Let's do this. Um, and, and it's also like that he still hates Floyd. And, and basically, the point of this is Oscar went on a radio show and was like, "Hey, Floyd, you get your boy, I'll get mine. We'll match them up against each other." So no one mentioned yes. Roley though, but I'm sure Roley should be involved in this somehow. Well, that's what that's Floyd. That Floyd, the offer still stands. If if Ryan wants to wants to fight Gervonta, let him beat Roley first. <laughs> I just love that Gary Russell Jr is is becoming a a surprise. He's a guy we forget about, rightfully so. He is now potentially a surprise player across two or three really fun divisions that now you can be like, "Oh, oh god, yeah, I want to see that fight." So I, I love him. I love his balls. Thank you, Gary Russell. Cojones, bollocks, testicles, whatever you want to call them. Yes, yes, all those words. Thank you very much. Uh Rafa Co-main event on Saturday in Allentown was my guy, Rigo, dropping down to 118, winning some kind of bastardized BS title against a 37-year-old Liborio Solis. I didn't even watch the whole thing. After the fact, I went back, sort of piecemealed it. But it was Rigo doing Rigo things and not the great Rigo things because unless you corner and pressure him, he doesn't bring out the, the jackal inside. He was content to do Rigo stuff. He did score a late knockdown and got the win. 
But what I popped like hell about was Keith Eideck of Boxing Scene. You know that website, right? Great. I'm well aware. Very important article. Very. Today on one of the Internet's best websites, BoxingScene.com. Yeah, Keith Eideck writing that Rigo said through a translator, we're going monster hunting next. We want a new A next. We want to go after the WBA Bantam Superweight Super Title next. Hell to the yeah, Rafe. This old guy's crazy, bro. Yeah, look, good for him. It would be interesting. I don't. He didn't look fantastic no. against Liborio Solis. So the idea that he's going to give you know Uwe problems uh, might be far fetched. But you know, you know what? It's that's the thing. He's when he he went back into that Rigo mode and slowed the fight down and and basically that that was the end of the, like Solis could not figure out a single thing after that point and he started getting hurt a lot late i mean he knocked him down bad and then and then had him on really really wobbly legs a couple rounds later both with that left hand and it's it's an interesting thing to watch it's it's it was i enjoyed listening to Paulie Malinaji break it down on the Showtime uh, boxing podcast with our our boys Raskin and Mulvaney this week but it's the kind of thing it's fun to Imagine it's fun to game plan around. It's fun to think about. You can watch it for about one or two rounds, and then it gets really, really uh, repetitive. But but it is interesting the way Rigo. He's he's not moving fast anymore, but he's doing. He's the way he's just controlling distance, and he's like, if you step inside this force field, you're going to get you know rocked with, or this left is coming at you real fast, and the guy just stands right at distance. Because they don't, they, they can't figure out a, a way to get inside that. It's a well, you better get, you quick, better effing get inside of that. You better, yeah. Uh, so Solis did not effing get inside after the first round. After you know, Rigo got hurt a little bit trying to play Julio Ceja with Solis in the first round. That didn't work, and then he went right back into the Rigo we know and love. The Rigolution was back. Yes, uh, it was televised do, too. <laughs> <laughs> which was great because he had that long run where he was in Japan and not doing things on TV. Yeah, I'd pop for Inoue. I don't know how he would win that fight, but there is that element. Two things. I can't believe he's making 118, so he's going to be a big puncher in that division, and he does fight when you corner him. Now, Inoue just seems next level with the ability to box and punch, but that's theater. That's theater I need to see, Rafe. Look, it was always going to... First of all, it always ends badly. I always say there's no happy endings in combat sports, Rafe. They're, I mean... At least not in the ring, right? Or in and around, you know, around the ring. Yes, please, definitely. Uh, but it was always going to end sad and bad for Rigo anyway. It just, you just felt that his whole career, it was just sort of like, it was inevitable. And I guess that's how it ends, right? But I, I do agree with people going like, including his current trainer, Ronnie Shields, being like, if he's making 118 easy, what the hell was he ever doing at 130 versus Loma? We get the situation. It was his final chance at a payday, but he had no business being in that fight, Rafe. I had no business thinking he could have success in that fight. So I take the L along with him. You and Charles Farrell will go, will, can, can hold on to that L forever. Yes. I do want to see the Donate rematch. Please give it to me. Thank you. Rafe, also this weekend on Days In, Kel Brook was back and he said, Mark Bazooka DeLuca to hell. I did not watch this, but sorry, I'm belching. This is a, not a great podcast so far. Not my best work. Um, How did Kel Brook look in your eyes? Did he, did he sling any of them little chocolate brownies on anybody? 
he he had a full basket of little chocolate brownies, and he was feeding them to to Mark DeLuca. Yes, it was. Uh, he looked good, but it's uh, it, there's a little bit of a against who issue. Shouts to Mark DeLuca. Uh, very, you know, obviously game great. Came in great shape. Came to fight, fought bravely, but really, really took a beat. I mean, it, this was back to like the Frankie Gavin. Dare I say? Yona to Jojo Dan era uh, of Kell Brooks just running through lesser, you know, guys who, who can't really hang in the ring with him. So, I mean, and to some extent that that's an improvement because you could say that Michael Zarafa was that too. Although, you know, he did, he did beat the great Jeff Horn uh, once. Um, but, <laughs> um, but wait, who who yeah. who are you talking about again, Rafe? Rafe, I don't I don't think I even know that name. Right, he's from Bendigo. I mean, who who is that guy? You know what I'm saying? You, the uh, real man, Jeff Horn. Are we talking Jeff about Horn. who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't. I got so many different disrespectful things that I can say right now. I don't even want to do it because that was back then. Doesn't even matter now. Well. <clears throat> And now we know that uh, Jeff Horn was a real man. So uh, yeah, he, yeah changed, you know. he changed. He's singing a different tune <laughs> once know. he had yeah. to deal with uh, the Senator Mane Pacquiao. Exactly. Do you uh, have any Brian... response to that, though, Jeff? No response. I'll respond with my fists in the ring. All right, we'll wait for the Timmy Zoo fight. Go ahead. Yeah, Kell Brook. He looked good enough. It's hard. It's hard to evaluate because Deluca is a game in shape guy. You know, Massachusetts, all that stuff. Um, but he didn't bring a whole lot. We, it'll be in. Uh, look, I want to see. Bakel Brook is talking about taking on real fights at, at 154. Great. If, if that can happen, make it happen. I'm excited. Why not? Shoot. He's a days in fighter. Jaime, oh, man. Munguia is no longer at 154. No. Never mind. Wait, it's I, over. I it's over. Fight you can fight Mikey Kevin Garcia at 154. Yes, yes, thank you. Indeed. All righty then. Uh, Rafe, that'll wrap up the uh, weekend recap. That was I got a couple <clears throat> little news and notes and bullets to hit you with before we sort of look at AJ's role in Wilder Fury 2 a little bit more than a week out right now. The weekend was, of course, UFC 247 in Houston. John Jones controversially defending his light heavyweight title by uh, unanimous decision, disputed unanimous decision over Dominic Reyes. I covered it for CBS Sports. Please, people, you can listen to my uh, instant analysis podcast in the skinhead white guy game. But, Rafe, a little crossover on this potential. It was one of those decisions that kind of could have gone either way, but there was that outlier judge. Uh, you know, there was like an adolescent bird judge who had it four to one for, for Jones when it was really a three to two win for Reyes. Three two for Jones, maybe. Reyes didn't get any of the scorecards, but the whole outcry is, oh my God, is MMA going to become like boxing? How do we stop this? How do we fix this? And one of the quick fix things is this promotion Invicta FC, which is an all-female promotion that it sometimes kind of acts like a feeder for UFC. They are going to debut open scoring coming up. And Ray, Good luck with that. Um, <clears throat> I know that's not the answer. You know that's not the answer. Um... What is the answer? Because this is, although boxing and MMA scoring are different, is the answer just going to five judges and having the two outliers to, to no. remove that? 
Why? What is the difference? You could have just as many bad. Just two more dumbasses to get the score wrong. Then what's right? the answer? Unless Polly is scoring. Unless it's always Polly. What's the answer in both sports? Is it is it Joe Cortez's uh, volleyball chairs? What is, like what is it, Rafe? I this <clears throat> I don't care. I don't think it matters, Brian. This is part of the sport. This they're 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 they're, they're evaluated subjectively. They're often actually hard to judge there are close rounds now i'm not saying i didn't watch this skinhead fight so i did not see uh if it, these if i believe these rounds were hard to score i don't even know if i would know the difference between a hard skinhead round to score and an easy skinhead round to score um i guess a lot of it in the skinhead sport are just scoring for uh the uh caucasian guy um but in any case uh I don't I, I'm not bothered. I, I do I like bad decisions? Of course not. I, I, I hate them with a Teddy Atlas like passion. But I don't think there's any way to engineer our way around it because it it, it it's a difficult sport to evaluate. There's not always there are not always clear cut easy answers to this stuff and it's and literally everything is debatable look on twitter people will debate the dumbest crap on the planet over True. and over and over again i guess that's not just a boxing thing but um did you it, chuckle it certainly... at all though that that it happened in texas texas forever did, did that make you go ah ha, ha, that's what you get for going to gail van hoy territory let, let me ask you brian did is this the first bad scorecard in the history of MMA or UFC? Have they never no, dealt with this before? What's, what's the that, deal? It's just that John Jones was fresh off a split decision win over uh, Tiago Santos that I thought he won, but there were a lot of people who scored it three to two for Santos. And then you look back, well, John Jones also had that really close fight with Gustafson that he won a unanimous decision when a lot of people thought, hey, maybe it could have been a split decision loss. So I just think people yeah, are Yeah, I can think go, of three times I thought Canelo lost too. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, who cares? And, you know, yeah. uh, I do morning combat on Showtime every Monday with Luke Thomas, and he was sort of going, hey, from my vantage point, is is Jones becoming Canelo now? And it's sort of like from the MMA side, they don't have to deal with, typically, they don't deal with the kind of decisions where you're like, oh, obviously the house protected the money fighter. They only deal with the... Why do we have old boxing guys as MMA judges and why are we using boxing standardized scoring in MMA? So, yeah, that sport has some things to figure out. I just wanted to they get barely your... have money fighters in you in the UFC. Right. Other is there, at this point, other than Conor McGregor, maybe Habib. <laughs> is there a, is there a money fighter? There's a few money fighters. Nobody. John Jones. Connor. Is he even a money fighter yes, at this he point? He's a consistent draw. Uh, there's, you know, Israel Adesanya is rising. I don't know if you know that guy. I'm, I'm well aware of that guy. What is this? Is something bender? Style bender, yes, mind the bender. Last, the last style bender. Okay, Rafe, oh, you were the wow. first. Isn't that like a terrible movie? Uh, I don't know, but uh, Air, the last Airbender is the terrible. Airbud two. Yes, got it. All right, there, Rafe. Uh, how p- pumped are you? April eleventh, of course. It's an unbeaten British heavyweight boxing Super Bowl at the O2 Arena when Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce take part in a little bit of a, of a potential Donnybrook. They are touching and pushing each other at the introductory press conferences. Give me a needle update. Which way are you leaning here? Oh, uh, full mast on this one, man. This is an awesome fight. Undefeated. Right. This is the second second year in a row. Unzip me again, baby. It was the second year in a row that Dubois is in one of these prospects versus, and now it's an even higher level undefeated early in their careers to top blokes from the UK. Last year, he, he, he convincingly, impressively knocked out Nathan Gorman 
in I think it was like three rounds. This year, Dubois is going after Joe Joyce. And I know people love to hate Joe Joyce here in the States. They think that he is garbage. He's weird. It doesn't make sense what he does. But until he does it until until it becomes unsuccessful, and he's he's you know he was a pretty accomplished amateur, right? Uh, he he fought in the world World Series of Boxing. We've seen him losing to Usyk there, but also really making Usyk work because this guy has a crazy motor, a, a a good case of Homer Simpson disease, right? A great chin, and will just keep lumbering after you and throwing these big wide punches that yeah you can counter in between but when when those big meat hooks arrive they they do they take a toll too so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting because we've never seen daniel dubois really have to go take a backward step he's just been better stronger more physically imposing than almost everyone i guess maybe the great ghanaian richard larty who came in like a house on fire and, and fought a very fun two rounds with with uh, Dubois a year or two ago, but this is gonna—it's an interesting fight, and I do—I think that Dubois probably deserves to be favored because he's—he uh, looks more like a good boxer than Joe Joyce does. But Joe Joyce, I'm not counting that guy out. He's weird and unorthodox, and I like it. Rafe, you know what I learned? Well, I already knew this fact, but it was extra illuminated when I had that little three fight card run with Days In with the Zone. You know the Zone, right? It's a platform, Eddie Hearn. Got fighters on the Canelo on the platform and got inside like the Eddie Hearn local UK domestic cards. Rafe, they match these efforts tough out there. Like if you and I were told um, you can't be American boxing fans anymore. I mean, so like you can't, can't be like our main thing and we're going to drop you in the middle of London. You guys are going to live in a flat together for a year and <clears throat> British boxing is going to be your thing. You're going to do a podcast only on British boxing. I feel like it would be fun as balls because they're all flawed guys with personalities and they all get matched really tough really early, Rafe. That, that is true. And also, it would be fun as balls because the UK is a sport that actually respects box. They actually love box. Yeah. They're not just play acting over here and 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 it's really, a, you know, a, a eighth class citizen in the American sports world. No, that that it is number two almost in a lot of ways after after soccer football and shoot it, it i i love you you can feel that radiating from across the atlantic the passion that uk fans have for the sport and for their fighters and also just for great i mean i that's one of my favorite things about uk boxing is you see the way they go wild for Lomachenko and Usyk when they fight there the the global superstars get treated like global superstars like the the great fighters they are whereas when they fight in New York it's or in the states you have to beg anyone to show up being like I have a Ukrainian guy um it it's a uh, it, you know it's I I appreciate that that they really that a large body of fans in the UK appreciate the sport like like we do, like the boxing hardcore does here in the States. Yeah, they're not regular fans. Um, I think we're missing out, Rafe. I think that maybe we should follow one of boxing's best trendsetters over the year, behind the gloves founder, below the gloves, inside the gloves founder, Michelle Joy Phelps, who took her game to the UK and to, you know, to, to, to catapult her growing YouTube interviewing career. That's where the magic is, Rafe. Like maybe you and I should have been doing the we we could have been doing dope from the beginning out there and started the ropes podcast 
in Britain, we could be huge. Like, who's that young bloke who hosts Eddie Hearn's weigh-ins? He does that podcast with uh, with with Frampton, Chris Lloyd. We could be the Chris Lloyds of the UK. Maybe we. Should I don't just know say if we F- could be that. I don't think they want a couple Yanks <laughs> coming over and. Oh boy. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, let's move on, Rafe. There's no way we can win here. Let's move on from this. Uh, you told me that grandpa's getting all out of the pocket again. Grandpa's getting loose and turn four like Dale senior before the crash. That's, that's the way of the world. I don't give a shit. Well, did he really compare Manny Pacquiao to the coronavirus? What the hell's going on here, Rafe? I wish you had the sound for this, Brian, but yes, in the latest episode of Chris Mannix's boxing podcast, Bob Arum shows up for a really fun uh, classic Bob rollicking interview, almost almost as fun as when you get a hold of him, Brian. Um, and he was – at one point in time, he was talking about uh, how, how much – how it's financially infeasible for him to promote Manny anymore because Manny has guarantees or demands guarantees of about $20, $25 million anytime he fights and doesn't make that money back at, at the pay-per-view by box office, right? He's, he's selling 300, maybe 400,000. And by the time you, that that's his, his purse is going to eat up almost all of that. The promoter is taking a bath. Um, of course, the you know that that's not even including the cuts that TV networks and and every you know all different platforms and middlemen are all come, coming in to get their piece of the pie. So, and in the in the process, he says that well, it's like having the carod rather have the coronavirus. You know, um, yikes, Rafe, yikes, yikes. Pretty, I mean, it is funny. He's talking a lot about the marijuana candies. It was, yes. it was classic Bob. All right. All right. I'd love see maybe corner man. So here's the deal. Corner man. If you're listening, if you still like this show, if you still like us, uh, I love Bob. I'd have him on the show anytime. But the next time I'm in Vegas, which I guess is Fury Wilder, he needs to set up a sit down at the Bob father mansion where Bob and I can, you know, right. Consummate our relationship. Not in that way. Not in that way. Rafe. Not not in Philippine Grand Garden Hotel way. But in the in the legal way of the state of of Nevada together. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that would be I, I think that's magic. Like, like, Bob, give me sage wisdom and advice. My advice to everybody who's scared to death is smoke a lot of weed for four years. Like what would and what if what if I was allowed to have the microphone on? What if we called this the half bake sessions? Grandpa and B.C. Why not you guys go over to the Tyson Ranch? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say girl collection. Wow. Okay. All right. Maybe, uh, maybe maybe bring some bring some friends from GC to the Tyson Ranch. Yeah. And yeah. Then, then you'll have a All a, right. A, a, a All nice right. Day. To close, speaking of uh, Britain, Rafe, I popped for this. I sent it to your DMs right away. The Sandman is back. Lewis Ritson on April 4th in Newcastle. He's the, he's the what is he, the, the Jordy Golovkin of that upper area? That's right. Yes. The Jordy Golovkin will be facing the puppet, the husk of the washed puppet, Miguel Vasquez, who signed the contract. We have proof in a McDonald's in a a chip shop, 140 pound bout. Rafe. Hell yeah. Heck to the hell. Yeah, Rafe. Brian, why are you so excited about? Have you seen? Look at it. Pull up. Uh, my, your computer will probably wheeze and die, yes. but I would say to pull up uh, Miguel Vasquez's box rec. He has been – he's basically on the I go and take L's circuit. Oh, no. Um, please don't tell me that. 
It is, yeah, it's it's getting there. He's, um, he's getting into nine. late Jose Luis Castillo territory. Oh, my God. He's only 33, Rafe. If he's already in Castillo mode at 33. Well, I'm not saying he looks that way, but his his record is beginning to resemble that. Like, that is the role he is beginning to play in the boxing business. He's already lost to Josh Kelly. He's already lost to Josh Taylor. Um, yeah. Well, he lost to Arjenis Mendez, and then he got robbed against Mickey Bay. All right, he lost to Josh Taylor by knockout in 2017. And sent- body shot. Yes. Well, what a beauty, right? Yeah, uh, hashtag body. Waiting for this to load. Oh, God, this is just gross. Anyway, hey, Miguel no, no, Vasquez. No, hang with me. We're, we're going deep here, okay. Rafe, okay? All right. Uh, get in. He, better, he beats- you better effing get inside on that box record. Then he beats Cosme Rivera, who had 24 losses, okay? And Fantastic. then, like, computer. Does the door show we've ever done? All right. Well, it doesn't scroll. Does it? The page is it loaded or it, not? It, what do you? It is, scrolls is it and then it coming in piece by piece, it, it, like like even, a dial-up like nipple. I can't even explain it. By the way, there's a beer called Maple Nipple. I have to buy it. Shout out to Lawson's. Um, but then he lost to Thulani Mbenge, the unbeaten in South Africa. Then he wins a split decision over a dude in Montreal. Then he loses on points to O'Hara Davis, one of these uh rising British blokes. Loses another points decision to Botzarin Jukumbayev. Do you know this guy? No. All right. And then he just knocked out some guy with a losing record in Mexico. All right. I don't. I, oh, I'm sorry. No Josh Kelly in there. Oh, he's a little washy. That's true. He's got nine defeats. But he beat Eric Bonet in the past four years. He beat uh, Dennis Shafikov. He beat Mer- Mercedo Hesta, Rafe. Granted, those were all. Eight that was years a long ago. time yeah, ago. That, was... that Mercito Hesta fight. He, I, I was at that. He I beat Jerry Belmontes. Come on, if you beat Jerry Belmontes, dude had fast hands. All right, that's it. Hey, Rafe, let's get into the meat of this show this week. Uh, February twenty second, a little bit more than a week away in Las Vegas. Of course, it is Wilder Fury two. We're gonna have a lot of thoughts next week. Full on preview, instant analysis, all that great stuff coming your way. And give our official predictions, which you've heard us sort of in real time debating the last few weeks. By the way, did you see that video that uh, ESPN Boxing's Twitter account put out of Max Kellerman kind of doing what we did last week? Like, oh, my God, maybe Tyson Fury really can knock him out. And then Len- and then uh, then uh, Leonard Ellerby quote tweeted it like, you know, laughed at it and, and said that, uh, you know, Wilder's going to serve him as ass, basically. But uh and that's that's what's great about the fight. I, I could either of those things I believe are possible, as is the Tyson Fury, you know, boxing clinic, as is the I mean, there's too many. That That's what's great about this fight. I, you, I can talk myself into 15 different versions of it. True. I'm fired up about it. What is Anthony Joshua's role in this, though, Rafe? He's the unified three Everybody's of four belt eat, baby. champion. Everybody does got to beat, baby. AJ, of course, in the headlines this week for more rapping, which makes me want to play that all-time awful uh, stamp-looking rap that he had. Right? Find me fighting on June 1st at MSG. Liverpool MC in NYC. Holding it down. I ain't the clown. I'm ready to rebound. I'm going to knock Miller out around the eighth round. He come around with the champ. I lick him down I lick him down like the stamp. Hey, 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 yo. Hey, yo. Trash, next. Next, next. Um, Here's the deal, Rafe. We entered this year... Seemingly assured that Fury and Wilder would fight a trilogy in the same year, that they're linked together. Yet that contract. You entered that. I don't believe anything. Well, I'm starting not to believe that. Single thing till it happens. I'm starting not to believe that. So, you know, there is this elephant in the room, and it's Anthony Joshua. 
he's probably going to fight what uh, Kubrat Pulev in what June, in a giant um, Bulgaria guy soccer stadium, which was a fight that was supposed to happen a couple years ago. Decent fight, decent stay busy, mandatory. That's fine. What is his realistic role in potentially fighting the winner of Fury Wilder two? And how would it happen this calendar year? Could it happen? Because, you know, the last couple of months when when I see people I work with or whatever that aren't too woke to the business side, you know, their natural thing is, this is great. Fear and Wilder are going to fight. And then Joshua will fight the winner later this year. It's going to be great. And I'm sort of like, no, nah, you don't understand boxing, bro. But now I'm starting to think some things, Rafe. Here's I like. AJ's not officially a Dazin fighter. We know this. You know this, man. It financially behooves both him and Eddie Hearn to do these busy, stay busy ones, these Andy Ruiz ones on zone, but he's not official. Rafe, so I have two very hard questions for you that involve the boxing business. Here we go. Question number one. Would Anthony Joshua ever potentially double-cross zone and fight the winner of Fury or Wilder on their potential platform? And part two of this question because I bring it up all the time. The male and female parts don't fit, right? That's why AJ's on the outside looking in. Is the future of making those male and female parts, is the test tube to create the baby a two-fight deal and with a mandatory rematch clause that says we fight one on zone and one on your network? Is any of that realistic for 2020? Is uh, Realistic is a is a pretty what elastic term there, Brian. Um, is it possible? I think it is possible. I think realist, I wouldn't put it, uh, I wouldn't put the odds at above, I don't know, 20, 25%. That's probably high at the moment. Um, but still, yeah, I do think it's possible because so, so let's, let's back it up and just say the current, the, the reporting and not just the reporting, but what Bob Arum and Frank Warren and, and whoever speaks, uh, I guess Tim Smith or whoever is doing the communications for PVC, um, sa- has said about how Wilder Fury two and a potential Wilder Fury three are structured, and that is the loser has a right to uh, enforce a mandatory rematch on sixty forty terms in favor of the winner. So if uh, and, Wait, and but has a but you're saying the word mandatory. I never got the feeling it was mandatory. Has has well, it's mandatory if they enforce it, right? I don't know. Mandatory is kind so of so you're a, saying no. the loser has the right is if they're willing to take less money. Brian, if you beat me tomorrow, then I can chat. Then you have to fight. And if I want you to fight me next week, you have to fight me next week. But you get sixty percent of the the pizza that we split afterwards. And do we know if that's uh, uh, it's mandatory? The winner has to accept it. If it's in the uh, that is look, what is mandatory? It's boxing. People break contracts. Like if you throw enough money at it, or you're willing to go to court, you can make a contract go away. But right now, that is what's in the contract. The question I think would be more, depending on how the fight plays out, how 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 well it goes business wise. If it sells enough, if the if there's um. If the the networks want to take on you know the risk of doing this again, or if they they're like, oh crap, we took a bath on this, let's not. Maybe let's bump the brakes. Um, but uh, more importantly, I think to the fighter who is going to exercise a rematch clause clause or not is how they lost the fight. Was it a close fight? Was 
Fury dominating and then got knocked out by a single shot and thinks, damn it, I can get this back was, or I, we don't know how Tyson Fury, Ty, one thing Tyson Fury has never done is lost. And I'm not, I'm not predicting he will lose, but it, it is a possibility uh, when he steps in the ring to fight another man. He hasn't lost. We don't know. And, and he is a erratic character sometimes. We don't know how he's going to respond to a loss. He Even winning is hard for him to deal with. He's a he's a complicated man, um, and nobody understands him but Ben Davidson. Um, but and then likewise for Wilder, if he loses, do, do does he? Depending on how he loses, does he pack it up and go deal? You know, make in-house money with Kalnatsky and Andy Ruiz and and a, a, a stable of pretty good fighters on that side who. He can build himself back up a little bit with, and they can try and pry away some mandate, pry away a belt somehow yeah, from from AJ if the mandatory situations come up. Um, I don't know that that that's going to be a lot of that will depend on who wins and how and how they win. I think the winner there will be a some interest in going straight into an AJ fight because oh that's huge all of a sudden right is all the belts uh you know truly unified heavyweight champion of the world now it wouldn't be between two undefeated champions but still it's it's still an enormous fight for for whoever wins um and then there's also the strange game theory business angle of would they if if fury wins and intimates that he wants to go cash in with aj with a, for a huge fight that ends up happening in Saudi Arabia or some some emirate that is willing to put up a billion dollars or something and that would be on I well he Fury actually has said I don't know if he means it but he said well I've I have a contract in the states if all my fights are going to be in Vegas for the next three fights on ESPN so he's being a good company man there for now Say, say, say for whatever reason they decide he he wants to go chase money. Does do, do the established TV networks do they say, hey, why do, just make Deontay enforce his rematch? So why so Fury has to fight him again, or vice versa, make Fury enforce his rematch True. so Wilder has to fight him again, so they don't run off and make and and make a deal with AJ and possibly breathe some life into the zone, which I think Fox and ESPN are, are quite frankly interested in snuffing out, right? Kill that, nip that crap in the bud right now. Um, I, I guess, could it happen? Yes, it could happen. I think that your idea of doing it, um, the only, assuming that this is in the zone business or that, you know, that they're, that Eddie Hearn will be somewhat loyal to, to that in making the fight the idea that yes, mandatory rematch, two fight deal, uh, home and away format, basically one ESPN or Fox and one the zone is, is a way that would make sense. But it's again, who goes first, who gets to go first on that? Because well, the thing, depending on how, how a fight like that plays out the fight, you can't make the guy who loses, get back into a rematch. And, and it's, it, you know, there is that you're still taking on risk with that. Yeah, the, there's a legit gamble in trying to say, do do I would I rather have the first or second fight? Because it, it could blow up. It could blow up in a good way. It's interesting. I don't think 
given this the constant segregation i know you hate that word the constant segregation in boxing i just don't see aj just being like sorry disown there's too much money at the table i'm going to i'm going to you know exercise the fact that i don't have an exclusive deal and go on espn and fight fury even though ESPN is the American side of it, and there's a British TV side that we're probably not even thinking about that could even complicate matters more. I just don't see him doing that because Eddie Hearn is so tied in. Plus, if you're looking at stupid money, to because the only thing that could bring everyone together is stupid money, right? It's what involved that waiter and Les Moonves making Mayweather Pacquiao actually happen, making Bob and Mr. Cancer come to the table for the first time in a while. Stupid money. The only people that seemingly have stupid money right now are DAZN. And the Saudi slash uh, Dubai slash Middle East conglomerate. I mean, there are probably, uh, you know, other, other dictatorships around the world right. willing to, you know, spend its people's money on things like that. It's not, it's not just the Middle East. So basically what we're coming to a conclusion of is, is it's probably not going to happen in 2020 because it's more likely somebody enforces a third Fury Wilder fight. I, uh, I, I need to see the contract, though. I need to see the true language, whether the winner is obligated to do it or whether they can give something up to do it. In, 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 in light of this, let's, let's say a perfect world. I don't know if it's a perfect world, but let's say this world is reality. Fury Wilder happens, part two. Joshua faces the winner in November. What's a bigger fight, Rafe? Fury Joshua or Wilder Joshua? It's tough. It's really, really tough um, because AJ and Fury would be maybe the biggest. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, we'd have to get a top bloke on here to confirm, but that, would that be the biggest domestic UK fight ever? Probably, yeah. For all yeah. the heavyweight marbles, yes. it's hard to imagine anything eclipsing that um, in the past. Or so. Carl Frotch would have to deal with the reality of that, okay? Oh, my God. Uh, I, I'm rooting against it now for that reason only. I mean, there's no nothing beats ADK. Nothing beats Frotch Groves, too. Um, but, Brian, I still think well, AJ Wilder is bigger. I mean, that, that that's had more of a build. That was the one that was built. It, it got derailed. But, you know, Maypac got derailed uh, a couple times. And when it got back on the, the tracks, things worked out just fine. And that's the one that brings the two continents together, right? You You – you you have or the two countries i mean you know like the usa is not all of north america and and the uk is not all of europe but um yeah that brings the two countries together wilder the american and aj the brit uh happening wherever it happens i think that's just a huge global event the guys look the part you don't have to you don't even have to it's easier to sell to casual fans you don't have to explain oh this guy tyson fury is really interesting he's got this crazy background he 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 overcame depression he used to be 400 pounds and he he's a very uh style he's great a very complicated style of boxing it's a little bit negative you don't always know why he's winning but he is winning if you know what you're looking at you don't have to do any of that you just have two um, guys in amazing shape who are six six and six seven and knock people out when they win. It's it's except for when they fight Andy Ruiz. Um, and yeah, I think it just a, it's just a, it's just it's the it, the a layup. It's an alley oop. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's huge. Interesting. It's interesting, Rafe. Every time I feel like we know boxing business and we know what can and can't happen, then just uh, the yeah, anytime you say we know. 
remind yourself of the great Uncle Roger, who 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 is right every time. You don't know s that about box. Uh, because there's just, you can't know it. It's unknowable. It's a chameleon, Brian. Tyson Fury was on the main event on SB Nation Radio. I'm reading this aggregated on the boxing scene story. Uh, he was told of comments. A service that I have. For yes. Sure. He was told of comments that Hearn and Joshua had about him, how they're saying he wasn't a big puncher. And they were sort of talking about the idea of fighting him. Here's Fury's quote. You know what? I don't really care what Eddie Hearn says because Eddie Hearn is a pussy. And I don't even know if I can say that live on radio, but Eddie Hearn is a pussy and so is AJ. And if they have any nuts about them, they'd have fought me years ago. We're from the same country, you know, and he's been avoiding me for a long time. AJ wasn't man enough to step up and fight Wilder, so he took an old, fat, bald-headed fella to come out of retirement to stand up for his country, to stand up for his nation because they were getting made to look like clowns. So what Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua says, you can't really take too much from that. You know, they speak a lot of hot air and don't back it up. I really recently saw AJ get knocked out by an old fat fella. So don't come and talk lineal champion about performing because you know he's a hit and miss performer completely. End quote. I don't think we really learned much from that. I don't think that gets in the way of a fight against them either, Rafe. So yeah, I guess it- uh, that does not get in the fight. That, that was that was well delivered, Brian. I liked that. Uh, first, my first thought is I thought the fat fellas can fight. They definitely Tyson, can what's fight. going on? Okay. You're not giving now you're taking credit away from Andy Ruiz? Are you are is it possible that Tyson Fury is saying one thing today and another thing tomorrow? Oh, Would boy. he ever do that, Brian? I, I, he's the he's an icon of consistency. You know what, baby? Baby, I just don't get it. You enjoy being heard, right, Rafe? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I look, I, I do enjoy being hurt sometimes. Yeah, if I was um, your man, Biatch, right? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I know about Mario. Um, I still think his best singing performance was that uh, song he did after the Cunningham fight to his wife. He serenaded her. Which song did he do then? It was some weird like country song or something. I wasn't into it, but it oh, was, was just... it the, one of the El- Elvis? T- uh, anyway, no, nah, yeah, whatever. you weren't that into it, but it was his best performance. Yeah, that's, yeah that's that, good, that, that was a great oxy, oxy cotton. Brian, moron, the other thing or... about about that little rant, it 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 didn't quite go to the the same heights, but I was waiting for him to to get into you know David Pricey territory and be like Anthony Joshua, you plumber. I will do you and your lover, Eddie Hearns, the great Eddie Hearns. I'll fight David Price any day of the week. You see, you plumber from Liverpool, it's personal between me and you, and I'm going to do you some serious harm, you big stiff idiot. Okay, all right. Thanks, thanks, Tyson. We're live on Channel 5. All right, go on, one more. Also, they're going to need 10 plumbers to do you when I've got the finish with you. Also, you are getting it, for sure. Call me out. Call call me any names, and you are getting it. And you know your gay lover, Tony Bellew? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay, okay. okay. This is Tony's night. That's too much. Tyson, we are on TV, Tyson. Tyson, you you realize we're on live TV. Yeah, while you were reading that, I, I imagined you in the sideways teal hat, you know, pure channeling. Tyson Fury in his greatest moments. Yes. Yes, indeed. Wow. It's hot, right? It is. Yeah. You're feeling it. It is good. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, Rafe. Um, It's more like then. Then what's the best second opponent for AJ if it's not Fury and Wilder to close out 2020? I mean, Usyk's hurt, you're telling me. Well, I I don't think that's off all the way. The reporting has it's only on. 
sort of the the weird. Oh, bad left hook has it. So I, you, they usually, even though they aggregate, they aggregate very well. Um, in any case, he had an elbow injury. Instead of doing late March, the fight they're talking about for May for Usyk Chisora, which would not take off the table a late 2020 fight for Usyk uh, if he wanted to enforce that mandatory and 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 go after Anthony Joshua if Anthony Joshua beats Kubrat Pulev. Um, it's it is a little alarming that Usyk moves up to heavyweight and all of a sudden his body seems to be betraying him. I mean, these are you know it's physical sport. Injuries are a thing. It's not you you hate to jump to a conclusion, but you're just like, oh man, I hope this it, it it's and and what do you, what is the best thing best course of action there because he's in his early 30s. He is still performing at a level of of as if he is in his athletic prime, but you know that comes to an end, and he's also fighting much bigger men when when he's going to need every bit of extra speed and agility that his sort of otherworldly big man athleticism provides him um should but but also coming off injuries do if you're Usyk do you say screw it if i can get myself into shape and have one good camp i'm going after it now yes, while, yes. I, while i'm young and i have the mandatory or does this make you slow down I say you, you 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 just try to like you said you just try to be healthy one night okay and show your your transcendent talent and maybe the injury proneness would help him get a fight easier against AJ it's possible you heard that time I told you off the record when Eddie Hearn was just kind of talking trash with me and was like nah he's too small so we'll see we'll see what they feel about that Rafe uh wow wow all right all right all right hold on I bet all right Rafe before I find out uh what you care about this weekend and if you in fact care at all i want to play a little fill in the blank rafe are you ready for this off the dome i oh off the dome i'm ready i i this is true uh listeners and i will probably prove this by by embarrassing myself here i have no clue what brian is about to ask me or even say i this this is this is real stuff okay here we go question number one fill in the blank deontay wilder's best career win outside of the two Luis Ortiz fights is blank. Okay. Okay. Sturz to earn one, but he didn't, he didn't look great, but at least it was a real opponent at the time or semi-real. Uh, let's, let's go to the uh, videotape. Correct. Rafe. That is actually the best call. It was 2015. And you consider the, Questions he still had to answer. The fact that he overcame the early hand injury and was able basically to outbox Stavern and show a really tough chin. Because, uh, I mean, look, Stavern wasn't in great shape that night, but that's probably the best chance he had at at, uh, at doing anything at this at that stretch of his career outside of that one knockout of Chris Ariola. So, yeah, I think that actually is the best one, Rafe. Well done right there. Great resume. All right, question number two, Rafe. The current fighter at 160 or weight category 168, with the best chance to defeat Canelo Alvarez right now is blank. 160 or 168, best chance to defeat Canelo. It's tough, man. It's very tough. You know what? I think I I, I don't uh, I don't love this, but I'm going to say David Benavidez. That's an inter- I'll accept that. That is an interesting answer because of the size, the volume, the toughness. What do you think about my pick here, Rafe? I thought about this as I walked the dogs in the rain this morning. All right, I felt like a fighter for a second, okay? Yeah, that's what Marvin Hagler used to do in combat boots to get ready for fights. Caleb Plant. 
He'd get screwed on the cards, but Canelo's kryptonite has to be quickness, right? Um. Yeah. Well, look, uh, he would. Uh, Plant is a slick defense. You know, he's got some real defense. He knows how to fight. I don't know. I I feel like Canelo has dealt with better versions of that. Ones who move better. Um. Obviously, he didn't deal with it too well against Floyd Mayweather. And not to say that they fight exactly the same, but he, he defensive guys. He has not. He, they give him some trouble, but he's also gotten better at dealing with it. And I don't know if I think that Caleb Plant is is such so elite with those skills that he would really have enough for Canelo there. Because um, well, Benavides- here's my question. I could see it. I could see it. My question is, if you if that's the style you're choosing over Canelo, why not Billy Joe Saunders on a good night? Because he can be quite a cutie. Why not Demetrius Andrade, who, who's also you know True. can can really really uh, stink out a fight. I just wonder if. Uh- if Sweet Hands is a better bo- pure boxer than both of those guys. But that's the thing. We don't really know about Andrade, and Billy, Billy Joe Saunders can be so hit or miss. But I think in the end with Benavides, even though it's a sexy pick, I just wonder if Canelo is just too smart and accurate for guys like that in the end. And tough enough. Yeah. Where yeah, I think it has be... to be an athlete with speed. That's why I don't count out Jamal or Jamel Charlo. No, look, that's – I mean, th- this is why Canelo is in uh, – I, I, for – Boxing fans, I think, a great spot because there are all every all of there's about eight or ten fighters, especially because he's spreading himself out between two and a half weight classes, who could make really really strong opponents and and be interesting fights and and go down that list. You know, we're we're talking about him, um, Plant, Benavidez, Callum Smith, Saunders, hopefully on a good night, the third Triple G fight, Jamal Charlo. Demetrius Andrade, Derevianchenko would make a fun fight. Um, Bevel coming down to 168, which he has said in the past he would be willing to do. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there, and and all of them would have a path to victory. None of them really stick out as a, someone I'd feel confident in beating Canelo. I guess with Benavidez, you're yeah, it is. It's a it's just a it's almost a vote of non-confidence in the guys who are more established in me and and me thinking I just don't see you guys pulling it off. So I'm going to roll the dice on this guy who is still very green and the inexperience would be a big issue. Uh, Even though, of course, you hear about David Benavidez growing up in really tough gyms and in the Southwest and Phoenix and Southern California and and fighting to lose weight. And, and, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time in the ring, but for pro experience. Canelo is obviously no one can come close to what you know. Only Floyd before him, and I mean Oscar, but I, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. We're talking active fighters. Um, that would be a huge question for Benavidez. But I guess it's the the on the off chance that he is big and imposing and powerful enough to really really trouble and pressure Canelo, and that would mean he would have to be able to stand up to a hellacious body assault that would be coming back at him. And I don't know if that's true, but I'd. I'd rather take the gamble on that than a bunch of guys who I don't really believe in. Uh, That's fair. It's a very fair point, Ray. Fill in the blank number three. This Fury Wilder sort of all-star game feel with ESPN and Fox coming together has got me thinking. If you could use any network as you were to pick from in 2020, the best all-star three-man announced group team in boxing that you could create for the next super fight includes blank. 
Say this again. The best three-man <laughs> announce group right now that you could create drafting from any networks to put together to call one giant fight. Play-by-play, color, and ex-fighter analysts. Those are your three and positions. And the old HBO crew is off the table? No, they're they're alive. They're alive. They're alive. Okay. So I will say three-man crew. Um Farhood, Pauly, and shout out to Showtime. So those Farhood, are your two color guys. You got Farhood and Pauly on color. And Roy Jones Jr. Who's the play-by-play guy? Farhood could do that. He's been a color guy his whole career. Can I get a fourth man? No, 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 no. So I'm, all right, I'm making Steve do it. Wow, that is an interesting choice, Rafe. I never would have guessed you went down that road. Not- I don't. What it comes down to is, I'd, I'd, I'd rather hear from two analysts than a color guy. I'm not into uh, than a color commentator. All right, a colored commentator. Um, uh, Are you about I, a black I don't man? want the. An- I, I wait. I wait. The blow, blow, blah, 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 blah. It's not a blow, blow, man. You got me all messed up. All right. I'm saying, man, I don't care about Lampley or Morrow or any of those guys. I'd rather have, um, I'd rather have Steve. Farhood doing the the blow by the blow by blow. I can't say it. I can't say it by my mouth, Brian. What are you doing to me? It's an interesting choice from you. It's a controversial one. It's a it's. I think you need a real top elite play by play guy for the big moments, and it's hard for me not to pick Moro because he does the big moments so well. And I'm a little nervous that Lampley is washed from those last few years of like HBO shilling. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know. Well, no, I think honestly, if you make me choose, I'm still taking Lampley because he is he is the voice of important boxing. I, I might take it feels Todd more right to me. Am I wrong to huh? take Todd Grisham to, to to make the broadcast? I love fun? me some Todd Grisham. Right. I, I really do like. I enjoy his work. He's fun, and I think I would like. I'd rather see, and I'd rather see the offbeat pick like that. But again, I'll I'll just let Steve Farhood do it. I trust Steve is the is is the Ulysses of boxing, the man competent in all Farhood. ways of doing. He's He'd great be fine. to work with too. He's fantastic to work with. Um, I might throw Sergio Moore. Can I put Brian Campbell on Blow by Blow? You because can. that I no, no, you can talk not, me into no, no, that. No, no, no. I'd I'd have to be your your third guy or your sideline reporter, I guess. Uh, I I would throw uh Sergio Mora on my team. I'm going heavy to zone here, but uh, I like the I love those two together. I love the chemistry. <laughs> And then give me an next fight. Then give me, I guess, an next. Then give me uh, Andre Ward for the third spot. Okay. No, no, Pauly, Pauly, got to be Pauly, got to be Pauly. Not bad. All right, all right. Uh, Rafe, number four. As we close out here, if you had to guess, you can't call him. You can't call him, Mister Cancer. He won't. He won't answer the phone. But when he's behind closed doors at night watching a fight on his couch, Mister Cancer's drink of choice is blank. Um, gee, man, I, I never thought about this. Um, I probably English breakfast tea. So no alcohol. No, no. Yeah, I, I could see it. I like. I'd like to say moves. some. He's making power moves. I'd He's like the goat, say, man. The goat don't have time for that. I'd like to say some like swanky like bourbon or something, but no, you're right. You're right. It probably is a, a nice strong tea. It probably oh, is. No, you cannot imagine um the man, you know, the goat Al Heyman sitting on the couch like. Tim Meadows playing the ladies man, right? This is not not how it goes. He is he's drinking like electrolyte water and, you know, nice teas. 
He's 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 classy, man. He ain't he's not about he's not about that. What, you know, what, you said all nice tees. I'm nonsense. Like, I'm like nobody's slipping him a Jimmy, Brian. You said nice tees. I'm like, is Brazil sitting next to him? What's going on here? All right, Rafe. To close, uh, number five. We've had a lot of controversy coming off of late last year. Blank will be the state of combat boxing listener of the year to close 2020. Hmm. Hmm. Look, I gotta say. Alex Godinez has made a pilgrimage. He is he is the first person to really do state of combat boxeo tourism pilgrimages, <laughs> going to the Hooters in Campbell's, California. True, that's true. That's incredible. I mean, I, it's it's I don't know how weighing that and uh you know our guy Ulrich Anderson in 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 Scandinavia that's, making that's big a moves. Move. Yeah, that's a with Mikael Kessler and Super Joe and Darren, Darren Barker. Barker. Those are the, that's the above and beyond stuff right now. Um, I, I, that the, that's and sorry, B sample top bloke, but these is, people are stepping it up. They are, they are. It's going to be an interesting race indeed. All right, we're going to close here on finding out if Rafe cares. Friday night in Philadelphia, it's a Showtime card. It's a Showbox card for all you farheads. Thomas Matisse versus Isaac Cruz Gonzalez. Ten rounds, lightweights. Rafe, I don't care about Matisse. <laughs> I don't care about his people. I don't care about his life. There's a fighter on the undercard named Derek Coleman, Rafe. Shout out to DC, I saw that, right? but he doesn't spell it the right way, right? It's C-O-L-E-M-O-N, I think. Oh, yeah, M-E-N at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, M-E-N. You're right, you're right. All right, Saturday night, the F... Oh, the, sorry, there's a cruiserweight bout in Sydney, Canada. No TV. Ryan Rizicki versus Vladimir Reznesic. You in on that? Even not? I can't get behind that. All right. Uh, I did watch Ke- Kevin Lorena stop Firat Arslan over the weekend, though. Did we ever find out if, uh, if uh, your guy... Uh, Makabe Makabu? games won in uh, Nigeria or Zaire? Yeah, he won. Zaire, sorry. Or he beat Congo. some Poland guy. Right. I have that. Op- I have that open in a tab. Still need to watch. All that. right, it's a title bout Saturday in Nashville. A homecoming on Big Fox as Caleb Plant defends his IBF Super Middleweight title against Vincent Feigenbutz. Rafe, that's a real person. Um, yeah. What do you got for me? Do you care? <sighs> Do I have to care? I know this is a main event. I know Caleb Plant is a significant fighter, but this is one of those weeks where ever you look down the list, and you're like, "Good lord, do I do I have to care about this, this junk?" Twenty-four-year-old um, German Vincent Feigenbutz. He's thirty-one and two. Rafe, twenty-eight KOs. Heavy. He's heavy-handed. They say he's also pretty slow. Uh, nobody expects him to win. He's the mandatory. It's it's hard to get excited about this fight. I guess what you can say is that it is a step up. For Caleb Plant, who last fought Mike Lee uh, in one maybe the worst fight of was gonna well, fight no, Rancis Bartholomew fought a couple of times last year. One of the non one of the worst non Bartholomew fights of 2019 was Caleb Plant and Mike Lee. Congrats, Caleb, for that. Um, and this one ain't much better, but it is better. The one I guess the saving grace here in that we've seen this time and time again in, in with this sort of fire hose era of streaming and uh and broadcast boxing content they if you put a dozen fights on and they all look bad on paper three or four of them are still going to turn out to be really good and boxing is a is a great sport in that way but it kind of bails out the the powers that be who are in charge of of curating this slop because 
they realize, well, shoot, when we try and make good fights, we do well about half the time. When we don't try, we only do about 10% worse. So I try. Um, but, hey, you know, you take the good with the bad. Indeed. Indeed, Rafe. Uh, wow, this weekend sucks. That card sucks. Uh, Saturday in the Philippines, Rafe Manila. Yo, 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 yo. What? Relax, Brian. Are we are we just skipping over King Rai um, on Friday, the Valentine's Day, the, the handsomest boxing card in history on Valentine's oh Day God, in Anaheim? Right. King Rai. skip over it. I did Jorge skip Linares, over it. That's my Blair, bad The Flair Cobbs. I care like crazy of Brad Solomon. I care like crazy about this. Brad it is Solomon. Anaheim, California to beat Floyd Mayweather. It's a Valentine's day dream on Friday night on the zone. I don't got that. The zone shit. I do. Uh, wow. Okay. Let's, let's break this thing down. Uh, load it's watch will be a thing on Friday. Like I'm living a load watch will be a thing dream during the fight and after for Ryan Garcia. And then I take advantage. And then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO. He wasn't talking about boxing yeah. there. Rye guy will face Francisco Fonseca, 12 rounds lightweights in the main event. That was the guy who was the lamb for the slaughter against Gervonta that time in the Maymac co-main. But it's also a decent... Yeah, well, great night. Another another great legendary night in Gervonta's career, blowing weight and then showing up in the weird blue, weird Elmo or whatever. Well, who's the blue, uh, the blue Sesame Street character? Some cookie, cookie monster puppet guy anyway <laughs> showed up in the bad blue hood and fought really 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 poorly until he got a quick strange stoppage great fight yeah great great fight uh francisco is 25 two and two he's only 25 years old from nicaragua rafe does he have he's, any shot here um yeah because uh, look king rai is still not super proven he hasn't been pushed he's he's he seems he looks like he is improving and getting better and better. Guys try to pressure him, and he eventually he seems to do. He's been doing pretty well. Right? Duno tried to jump on him and and got knocked out and around. Um, we saw that guy Braulio, who whatever, uh, who he sent to hell in four rounds uh, in Madison Square Garden on the Canelo Fielding card. He, uh, although we also saw Jason Velez and Carlos Morales, who is fighting on the undercard against Jorge Linares. Um, give him some trouble back, you know, what? That was probably the 2018. Um, it's interesting. Fonseca is the kind of fighter who's going to be aggressive, basically pressure, come, he's coming in there to to get in that A. And uh, it's going to be a lot of angry ladies if if uh, he beats them to it. I got to think the, the, that uh, the matchmaking here, um, you know, Michelada time, Roberto Diaz at, at Golden Boy has this one figured out and is not putting – Ryan Garcia in too deep, but it's a good career-building fight. Fonseca has fought eight times since Gervonta stopped him, but he is 6-1-1. One, and one. The loss was to Tevin Farmer by unanimous decision at MSG in 2018. That was a fun fight. We were there for that, right? Yes, and he is fresh off a draw in England against Alex Dilmangani. Uh, interesting. All right, I'm in on this co-main event. Jorge Linares back down to lightweight after Pablo Cesar Cano served him his ass and it wasn't in Sheffield, but it could have been against Carlos Morales. I'm in. Uh, give me that. And then uh, Alexis Rocha versus Brad Solomon at welterweight and Blair the Flair Cobbs against Samuel Woo! Cote at welter. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Deep on this underguard, Marco Antonio Perribon, Rafe. 
Good Lord. Who is he fighting? I thought he was fighting a... a Bektimir Melikuziev. Oh, yeah. Oh, Beck Bully. I don't know this man. Come on, man. You need to... Uh, give me... All right. Give me your license, Brian. Give me your license. <laughs> hey, Hand I quit. It over. License and registration, sir. The hipster I, police are pulling your ass over. I'll tell you what. I no longer cover wrestling, so now I can finally have time for this stuff. Rave. Okay. S- Saturday Beck in Tamir. Manila. Hey, 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 Manila. Hey. Beck. Beck. Oh, Beck. You want to talk Beck? Beck Bully. Yeah. Bektimir Melikuziev. Thank you. Thank he you. He is one of these Uzbek guys. Yes. He is some Uzbek guy. And he is fun as heck to watch. Insanely vicious body puncher. Does a, He's kind of chubby for 168 and small. Does a lot of weird pivoting around the ring and, and has really funky footwork. It is bizarre and exciting and fun. It's not – you don't look at him and necessarily think – He's going to be as successful as um, MJ Akhmadaliev was. He, like, not like he doesn't have that next level athleticism, but he's he's weird and and hard to figure out and hits like a like a mule and just goes just murder just try like okay our guy who we were talking about last week that skinhead guy who came into boxing and upset the the crappy guy yes, yes. um what's his name Collard Scott Pollard Clay yes, Pollard yes um, yes uh, yeah Scott Pollard. Um, he, he, uh, he, Beck knocked him out in like two rounds on body shots. He, this is, watch this. You watch this. Perry Bond is going to be in a world of pain. The man's got killing power. Yeah. And if he doesn't kill you, he can probably leave your brain damaged. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Uh, Saturday in Manila, Rafe, to close, you can find a dirty stream if you can. It's Shokamura against Merlito Sabio, Sabilio, uh, 10 or 12 rounds. Your choice. Flyweights. Do you care, Rafe? Yeah, I care. I mean, Shokimura has been in some great fights, and and you, he's now in you know, that whole weight class. When you see one of those names that you recognize, and you've seen a couple of times fight on New Year's, on like a groggy New Year's morning in Japan, uh, on a on a scary stream, and you got a little malware from it, yeah, it, it makes it gets the juices flowing. You're like this could be one of this could be one of those great little man fights. I don't know. I can't handicap it going in, but I want to see it. All right, get fired up. Work yourself into a lather. He pumps it more than once. Indeed. Uh, that's your show for this week. Follow at State of Combat at Rafe Boogs on Twitter. Subscribe to TheAthletic.com and read Rafe's good stuff. Rafe, you got anything else to promote? Anything? Uh, two and two. Mick Sorley's Mick Kriegel and me. It's a uh, basketball love story. Pacific Rims, a book about Philippine basketball. All of the the wonderful things that uh, I've had the privilege of working on over the years. I don't know. What uh, what else? Does what do you want? Does your McCriegel book sir? sell better during St. Patrick's Day time? Um, It sells well on Patty's Day. It sells well on Father's Day, uh, of course, because uh, it is a father-son story. You yes. Know, we, we have a specialty in that. Um, And it is also a – it sells well at the bar. You know, we sell it behind the bar, and that's – honestly, I probably – we sell more copies behind the bar than we sell uh, anywhere else at this point. Rafe, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but you write for The Athletic, which gives you freedom to go after cool story ideas that maybe you wouldn't do for more uh, click-chasing mainstream I mean, that's not sites. true, but go ahead. Sites. Like, you did that great feature on the BoxRec guy. Like, that's something where I never thought of. I'm like, damn, that's a, that's great. What if you did a feature on Kriegel's obsession with father and sons and dig back in his own father and son story about... Because it had to get spawned somewhere here, Rave. Um, 
I don't. Uh, so here's why I, I actually think that that kind. I, I don't really think it's like covering or writing stories about other writers. It's just too navel gazing. It, it never. People don't actually care about us as much as uh, as we care about us, and it's it's helpful to remind ourselves of that sometimes. So nah, I, 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 I'm sure there is an interesting story. I will let, that's something I'd rather see Mark write for on his own, right? When he works on a memoir someday. All right. What about you doing a, uh, a weekend pilgrimage in Mountain View and catching up with noted hedge better Richard Dwyer for a athletic piece? It would be very interesting. I don't think Dwyer, I hate to say this, Dwyer does not quite have the following yet where we could probably get away with that. How would you justify, um, you know, the idea that, that he is newsworthy. He's, he's applause worthy. He's uh, <laughs> sponge worthy, but it's hard to say that he is leading a movement. It's not quite that big yet. When he, when he blows up, I will, I will come calling. I will be knocking on that door wherever he has moved and find him. Yeah, if, he, if it, you know. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face. Indeed. Sometimes you got you to gotta clean that off, Rafe, all right? You know? It blew up on me. I got spanked. Let me wipe the egg from my face. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, got a little on you there, Richie. All right, <laughs> Rafe. stuff going on in the Dwyer household. Uh, yeah, let's bring in uh, Prince Nassim to end the show, please, please. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. No, no, no. That's that's too harsh. That is too harsh indeed. But it's time uh, to no, go. No, I think I think he's right, Brian. Yeah, he might he might be he might be right in the end, Rafe. If only I can find that sound clip to take us out of here. Thank you. Can't find it. Found it. And with that, let's close this interview. Thank you, Eubank Senior, for Rafe Bugs. It's your boy BC. Shout out to the Irish crew, the Godinius crew. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Shout out to Ulrich Anderson. Shout out to Nine Mile in Detroit. Rafe, two words. We out.